Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Science. And with it, we can improve our lives. There's real perfect way. Science is the best tool ever devised. Science is the best tool ever devised for understanding how the world works. Science is a very helpful knowledge. We are always at the brink of the known. Science is a collaborative enterprise spanning the generations. We remember those who prepared the way. Seeing through them also. If you're scientifically literate, the world looks very different to you. And that understanding empowers you. There's real poetry in the real world. Science is the poetry of reality. We can do science, and with it, we can improve our lives. There's real poetry in the real world. Science is the poetry of reality. The story of humans is the story of ideas that shine light into dark corners. Scientists love mysteries. They love not knowing. I don't feel frightened by not knowing things. I think it's much more interesting. There's a larger universal reality of which we are all a part. The further we probe into the universe, the more remarkable are the discoveries we make. The quest for the truth in and of itself is a story that's filled with insights. There's real poetry in the real world. Science is the poetry of reality. We can do science, and with it, we can improve our lives. There's real poetry in the real world. Science is the poetry of reality. The story of humans is a story of ideas that shine light into dark corners. From our lonely point in the cosmos, we have through the power of thought been able to peer back to a brief moment after the beginning of the universe. I think that science changes the way your mind works to think a little more deeply about things. Science replaces private prejudice with publicly verifiable evidence. There's real poetry in the real world. 
Science is the poetry of reality. We can do science, and with it, we can improve our lives. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 7 of season 3 of Nerdy Show. Hi, I'm Hex. Triforce Mike. And I am Cap. And what you just listened to, so amazing, so beautiful, was the brand new track from Symphony of Science. Makes me happy. The Before poetry that, the of US reality. Secretary General Kurt Waldheim uh, delivering a message to the extraterrestrials who uh, encountered the voyage of his spacecraft. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, this is our, our episode about astronomy and, uh, and space sciences. Um, probably, probably the first of many episodes about astronomy and space sciences, because that's how we roll. But um, the, uh, I thought it was appropriate to open the episode with the first thing that an alien will hear if they manage to find one of the two Voyager spacecrafts, which are now outside of our solar system. The first man-made objects that we know of uh, to escape the orbit of our sun. So crazy. Um, what about Uptar's like space-time log? <laughs> Everyone forgets the original um, space-time traveler, the caveman, who, who invented... I'm sorry, who was the first time traveler? <laughs> Dr. Dinosaur. Uh, <laughs> That's impossible. You can't prove that. <laughs> it's, he's just a genetic freak. Um, no, of... <laughs> Dr. Dinosaur is real. <laughs> But yeah, I was uh, totally borrowing a, what was it, a Farsight gag with the time log. Oh, yeah! Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, the, um, uh, later on in this interview, we're going to be uh, chatting with Pixel Hate, whose new album, his new science album. Because his new project. Yeah. Um, last year he had Obsolete, where he made chiptunes out of the oldest compu- computing machines known to mankind. Taking chiptunes to its logical extreme. Yes. And, and now he's doing Observations. Yeah, it's all about astronomy. It's awesome. It's it's totally different. It's a brand new direction with him. We got to have a sneak peek of it. We're actually going to be playing a sneak peek of it on this episode. A nerdy show exclusive. Yeah, it's awesome. Ha! (laughs) It's awesome. Yeah, he's 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 a fucking cool guy. But uh, when he when he talks, I just I just shut up and let him let him talk. He's brilliant. And he's he's such that that charisma totally. That's that's there in real life too. When I got to hang out with him at Nerdapalooza 2007, uh-huh. such a cool guy, Man. such a cool guy, charming bloke. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, you can uh, check out our original interview with Pixel Hate back in season two, the episode Blips and Chips. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna be covering the full the full scope of things. Of course. Oh, and we will also be having a return of the discussion of the privatization of space that's travel. Right. Not too long ago, Um, because there's a little uh, news about that. Uh, It's 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 more relevant and local, the new news. But we'll talk about that all later. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah, guys. So uh, we saw Kickass. Oh yes, we did. Yes, we saw a press screener of Kickass. Kickass comes out April sixteenth. April sixteenth. And 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 a little spoiler. It's not just a clever name. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll be discussing it uh, later in the episode, so stay tuned for that because yeah. uh, we have some strong opinions we want to get out there. Some also, uh, we're we're pleased as punch, pleased as two pigs breaking a dog um, to announce that we have all of the prizes for our yeah. Blackest Night Song oh, yeah, contest yeah, yeah. listed. 
that is, of course, uh, our contest for musicians to create original compositions based on the DC Comics event going on right now, uh, Blackest Night, where the, the dead have come back to life and the Green Lanterns and a bunch of other colored lanterns are fighting them. Um, our first place prize, as we announced before, is to uh, is a hundred a hundred dollar shopping spree on a comic shop's online store. But that's not all. In uh, the OC After Dark uh, episode that we we guest starred on, we announced the second first uh, part of the first place prize, which is the uh, first place winner will have the opportunity to perform at Nerdapalooza 2010. The pre-party. Open the pre-party. At a comic shop. Yeah. Yeah, yeah dog. It was uh, headlined last <clears throat> year by none other than Schaefer the Dark Lord. Oh, my so, gosh. Uh, this pre-party is a working, functioning uh, organ of <laughs> of the Nerdapalooza body. It's a proper rowdy dow. Yeah. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's, last year, it was so crowded. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of people who you know can't come to Nerdapalooza for uh, transportation or money reasons or whatever... Um, come to the pre-party because the pre-party's free. Yeah, and free beer, yeah. Free, uh, free pizza, free beer, free, free music. pizza, free music. The only thing that free costs, STDs. Yeah, free STD. Uh, last year we don't know this. Yeah, year. La- we don't know what it's going to be this year, but that's the kind of scope we're playing with people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nothing to nothing to shrug off, and uh, neither are our second and third place prizes. Uh, one of the most unique new items to the um, to the prizes is second place gets you. Aaron Holland of a comic shop's own um, Green Lantern action figure from the 1983 or 4 Superpowers oh line. His Hal Jordan action figure, uh, complete with lantern accessory. Very, very cool and very, very awesome. It's a, it's an impressive, impressive toy. Holding it right now, yeah. playing with it. Um, you know, for you. Um, <laughs> we'll all, we'll have make we'll make sure every member of Nerdy Show has, has played has, has played with this. We'll mail it, it off to Brian so he can play oh, with yeah. it. Um, <laughs> we'll, I'll, we'll hopefully let, he'll mail it back. Speaking of Brian, second place also get also gets you a signed copy of Atomic Robo Volume One by none other than artist writer Nerdy Show host Brian Clevenger himself. Or actually, well, art artist of Ape Theater, um, writer of Atomic Robo. Right. Scott Wagner is the uh, the artist. Um, and uh, you, if you're third place, you get a copy of Volume Four, Issue One, signed. And uh, second place gets uh, also gets you Nerdapalooza CDs, 2009 and 2008, mm-hmm. and uh, a Nerdy Show Amber Lamps Core hat and uh, and T-shirt, and just a T-shirt in uh, third place. So yeah, okay. Full so, list, full list on nerdyshow.com. Okay, so I can just go to nerdyshow.com. Yeah, that's all. That's all pretty confusing. Sorry, yeah. kids. Sorry. So I just go to nerdyshow.com, and all that stuff will be put in, a, in an order for me. And oh. and for all those Uncle that Cap are gets curious. drunk on cool, and then Uncle Cap falls down and pees himself. So, so. <laughs> for all those that are wondering where Uncle Brian is, he's uh, he's still off beating the snot out of a lawnmower man. But However, he might he might be able to join us later. That's that's the rumor. He. Uh, He's let us know that the lawnmower man is feeling sleepy tonight, so the battle may not take all night. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a constant problem, the lawnmower man. So um, he's doing this for you, folks. We keep that in mind. Yeah. Now that Brian has moved to the internet, he is our inter- our resident internet superhero, fighting the lawnmower man on a regular basis and competing in Tron games. Yeah. Constantly, he, he rides his light cycle just past the e worms, and he uh, he he keeps all the Trojans out of your back door. So, <laughs> well, um, to start this amazing show off, my best friend Bob was driving around in Humboldt listening to the local radio station KHUM, and he heard this phenomenal song. 
but I got to give Bob a shout out because okay. he, he's been he's becoming a regular listener. Yeah, and I've heard you say his name before. Whenever you say my best friend Bob, it's always like that's a, I that's gotta, his name is my best friend Bob. It's like Drop Dead Fred. It's like <laughs> my best friend Bob. He's actually going to be here this weekend. Oh shit! So hopefully, I'll be able to like smuggle him into MegaCon or something. And hopefully, I'll be able to snuggle him at MegaCon. <laughs> he's a snuggly guy. <laughs> so I'll snuggle him back to health. Maybe I can you know gargle him. <laughs> anyways, yeah. anyways, anyways, he was listening to K Home and he heard this phenomenal song by this band called Little Horses. Little Horse? Oh, it's Little Horse. Little Horse. And it's two pianos, one band, and I don't even, I don't even know. <laughs> is there any reaction videos to that? <laughs> I don't, I don't want to. Is it the piano music from Two Girls, no, One Cup? No, no, it isn't. Oh, can you cue that up for me? Anyways, I don't want to give a spoiler of what exactly what this song is. It's, uh, you, you'll be, hopefully be able to guess what the, uh, the track title is while listening to it, but uh, enjoy, folks. You came to my city Your life has changed completely And she's the rebel spy But just like you I made some choices We all have lost our voices Against the empire here in the sky Money was once the only answer Now times have changed me so Betray you I would never Could never know But now that times are changing We'll do some rearranging I'll miss you a lot I got to say what I got Cause there are people here Who've respected me for years Just give me some time We'll get you back And if you still think I'm a traitor For dealing with Lord Vader Then you don't understand Considered consequences of raising my defenses against the empire and its iron hand. But now that times are changing, we'll do some rearranging. I'll miss you a lot. I got to say what I got. Cause there are people here who respected me for years. Now just give me some time, we'll get you back in building. I'm gonna. Say what I got Cause there are people 
who put together the first fossil and got Darwin double thinking exactly uh, and made him go write a new book. <laughs> and the track before that by Little Horses was called Lando Explains. <laughs> that, that song is, uh, I mean, Lando, he's, he's the original player from outer space. <laughs> he's, uh, he's, uh, he's a smooth talker, and he's, uh, if you let him explain... He's it gonna, all makes sense. He's gonna, he's gonna seduce you. <laughs> all right, and then and then he's gonna come up with new uh, shielding technology for Tie Fighters because it's gonna make him more money, and uh, everyone's gonna be like, "Really, Lando?" And then he explains. You're like, I can't argue I with can't that. Can't argue with that. I mean, because there's two Land, there's two Landos. There's Lando, just regular Lando, and there's Lando with teeth. Yeah. And you, you gotta you gotta kind of you know weigh he's, which which one's worth more to you. <laughs> 
Well, clearly Lando with teeth because uh, he's smiling. It's like sometimes how Han Solo, he's got a regular size head and sometimes he has a really big head. Yeah. Physically. Just a, a bigger head. Than the rest of the action figure. <laughs> this, this, is a, this is a very specific action figure joke. I thought you were talking about, like, for, for I was immediately going to the Star Wars uh, CCG where there were two Lando cards, Dark Side Lando and Light Side Lando. And you could only have one on a board at a time, but if you played one, like if you're the Light Side and you played your Lando, it got rid of the Dark Side Lando. Uh, no, we were talking about the action figures where... Oh. They, where Kenner had some strange abnormalities that turned into variants. Yeah, there's <laughs> some, some factory fuck-up where the little r- robot that sprays the colors on added a white smile to, to some of them. And, and then Han had a big head that looked like George Harrison. And it all had to look reasonable on his body. Yeah. Well, let's talk about comics. Word. Well, uh, hopefully you've already seen a comic show where we talk about the comics coming out this week. Yeah. If not, Pause. Go check that out. We'll be right here. Or check it out whenever. Check it out whenever. The important part is kick-ass. 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 And how how it's a comic book, which, strangely enough, people have been like, is that a comic book? Yes, it's a goddamn comic book. It's an amazing comic book. It's out in in graphic novel form right now. You need to read it. That's how comic book it is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Thank (laughs) you. It's it's eight issues. It came out recently. And yes, they made the film during the comic book's production because Mark Millar is that awesome. And he worked on it. Have you seen Akira? Same thing. Yeah, uh, Mark, Mark Millar is a smart man, and he uh, he already wrote the scripts, shot the, the that movie idea before you know um, John Romita Jr. was even finished with the art for the book. So they came out simultaneously and were very not coincidentally timed to be released in the way that they are. That the graphic novel is out two months before the movie. But I have read the book, and I have seen the movie. We've read the book. We've yeah. seen the movie. So we're going to take a once again pause and let you all know. We're going to be talking about things from the book, things things from from the movie. movie. Yeah. This is your official spoiler alert. Are we going to spoil things for you irreparably? No. Yeah. We're going to give you intelligent discussions about the movie to to book comparisons uh, and, you know, how you should feel about this film. Yeah. Uh, Short version is, it is awesome and it did not disappoint one little bit. Yeah. So that's the short version. Boom, entering. However, there are people out there that there are very upset over the changes. So, boom, now, now we we're... call them whiny babies. Whiny babies. So let's en- let's enter that discussion right now. So okay. you can fast forward or whatever if you don't want to hear it. But, Figure it out. Just okay. keep on skipping until you hear music. Okay. So anyway, um, I read the book. Fucking loved it. Yeah. Saw the movie. Fucking loved yeah. it. Yeah. But there are some 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 major changes. Major changes. And and I won't spoil any of the like. The like crazy surprise ending stuff, you know, that that was different. But I will, but, but I will spoil something that like kind of happened. I would say at the end of the second act, like yeah. In fact, there's a certain point where it's extreme. It, it starts out and it's extremely true to the book. Yeah, extremely, extremely true to the book. I mean, frame for frame, right? Um, it, with it, with additives, yeah, which are awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like longer. The scenes are longer and 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 better. And I mean, the film has a different structure than the book. One thing that I definitely loved in the beginning that they changed was his first altercation as Kickass. Instead yeah. of being some random thugs he ran into the street, it's characters that have already appeared. Right. Exactly. And they're doing something more than just graffiti. Right. They're doing something that is criminal. Yeah. And he goes up to him and goes, hey, jackasses, you beat me up once, now it's my turn. Right. And so, so yeah. And then they, you know, I, take I, the shit out I of I also them. like that the, um, the, the film structure, I mean, film and comic books are different. Which is the failing of Watchmen. Yeah. But something that's important to note right off the bat with this discussion is that Watchmen was a very good film yeah. that 
was actually that was not as good as it should have been because it refused to acknowledge itself as a film and it was too afraid of fucking up one of the greatest comic books ever written. Right, so it followed it, the, it too too closely. Now it's I'm curious. I'm actually curious what your guys' thoughts on the Sin City movie is because Sin City, frame for frame, was the book. Um, it's 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 it's, it's enjoyable. I mean, it's, it's it's different from Watchmen. They they did kind of expanded enough that it didn't feel like yeah and they they kind of chopped it up and mixed it up the order and stuff it, right that that yeah it they, wasn't it it was you know it's <clears> definitely <throat> this when the scene from the comic book was seen it was it was identical visually but it had a, a better um, movie structure but it still for me flowed kind of awkward like the pacing and things of, of sin city but um Anyway, but Kick-Ass... Kick-Ass changes everything. Kick-Ass changes everything. Like, there are um, certain reveals in the book. For example, like, Red Mist, um, who he is in the book doesn't happen until way near the end. In the movie, like... It's really early on. Really early on. You get behind the scenes on all the supporting characters. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, you see um, Hit Girl and Big Daddy's relationship, not like... Kind of a bit of their origin story. Yeah, you see their origin story, which was in the book... But, but it was, not till much it was like issue three or four or something. This now you it's like those scenes are interspliced at the beginning of the film. And um it just it flows it flows way better like that as as a film. The comic book was, was fine the way it was. What, what makes Kick Ass so amazing and what makes it such an exceptional superhero movie and a comic book adaptation is that it acknowledges the difference between a good graphic novel and a good film. Yeah. And and has created a a really Ideal film structure for a unique movie that's fun to watch. In addition to reading the film, uh, to reading the to, to reading the book, reading the book. Yeah, yeah. It, I I I loved it, and uh, I mean, I hadn't slept in days when I saw it, and I was on an, an adrenaline boner the entire time. It was so good, but um, there there was one change that um, I had a major gripe with. Yeah, everybody and, did, and 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 it's maybe it's just because it's personal. But it, they made it. It was an obvious Hollywood change. It was yeah. obviously the producers said this movie needs to, you know, have it a needs, happy. It needs that romantic it, spark. Yeah, it needs a romantic spark. It needs that happy ending type thing. And I was about two thirds through the film. Like the, it's following the book closely. At the, you know, it's like it's there's been a slight uh, diversion. Yeah, yeah, you know, it, it, it's the 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 girl thinks you know that Dave um, Lewiski is gay and that that is exactly like it is in the book and he's pretending to be gay but then so we can hang out with so we can hang out with this this gorgeous girl and then two-thirds through the film he comes out to her and says i'm not gay i'm i'm actually kick-ass and it works out and he gets the girl which is completely the opposite of oh my it could not be more opposite in the book yeah the book is like he doesn't even get the balls to, to do that until after the, the you know the climactic action at the end of the story and then he uh, it it goes so poorly for him that he gets his ass kicked and once um, again by her boyfriend mm-hmm. and then gets um, pictures sent to his phone of her sucking his dick yeah. and he cries and masturbates to it and um, I can see why they wanted to change at, that at that point of the story in the graphic novel. There are some extremes yeah. that just don't make it to the film. Yeah. That's one of them. Yeah. And in the scene, the scene in the movie is extremely Hollywood. She's like, no, wait. And then he comes back and he gets with her. And it's it's funny and awkward. And it's, but, yeah. but the thing is, 
Um, my my take on it is that the scene itself with the no weight and all that is so Hollywood yeah. that it's the filmmakers acknowledging, yes, we had to do this. Yeah. Yes, we're taking a, a completely different path. Yes, we're aware of it. Right. And and who knows? Don't be upset. Maybe they're – yeah, it, it really kind of felt like, yes, this is obviously Hollywood. It's kind of like uh, when you watch the, uh, the film adaptation and as he starts to like change his script to become more Hollywood, the movie becomes more Hollywood. So – uh, if anyone, if I that reference is lost, if you haven't seen the movie, yeah, but, it's um, awesome to so see it. Yeah, also a Nick Cage movie. Uh, also a great Nick Cage movie, and people who don't like Nick Cage need to see adaptation, and they need to see Kick Ass because his performance in both of those is fucking amazing. Because what you don't know about Nick Cage, and what people don't accept about Nick Cage, is that Nick Cage is actually a very unique actor who do, who knows what he's doing the entire time. He's not a crazy person who is a, acts like a crazy person because he is a crazy person. He's a talented person who is behaving crazy on purpose yeah. and sometimes has extremely questionable choices in the films he makes, maybe because he wants to do whatever he wants. Yeah. I, I just got to say, um, while I'm still on the fence on whether or not they should have changed him from an accountant to a cop, right. this is the character of Big Daddy. Yeah, the, he, he plays the character of Big Daddy, and in the, in the comic there's a big reveal that he is not an ex-cop. Um, but that, in that, fact, that's an the, accountant. He's yeah. not anything fantastic at all. Yeah, that's he's just an accountant. However, he is so badass in the comic. How can an accountant do that? Right. That's where I buy more that he is a cop. I like that. What I really love that Nick Cage did was his his Shatnerian yeah like accent when he is Big Daddy. Yeah. Like, yeah. When he is normal, his normal guy, he talks normal. He's a caring father, and that's how he talks. Yeah. But he has that. Awkward pauses. Yeah, which it it's. <laughs> it's I, I awesome. mean, it, it's another it's it's another change for Hollywood to like because the the, the masses would not accept that um, a, a regular accountant like they're. I mean, it would just be kind of hard for them to wrap their head around that, and it, it makes it more accessible. And that that change is. And Mark it, Millar was behind these changes. Yeah, anyway. and and that change is is only minor in a sense because it's just his cover story in the book is his true story now. You yeah, know? that's so, all that changes. So that that's all. It's it's they don't have a, an explanation that contradicts it later on. That, that's it. And who knows? You know what? There could be a fucking DVD, and that that scene could be added in. You know? Who knows? I will say though, I I definitely prefer his execution scene in the book over his death scene in the movie. Right. That's a that's a big question. A lot of people ask is um when the way Big Daddy gets it in the uh, in the book. They're like, does that happen? Because that was ex- hardcore. And I'm like, no, it doesn't happen exactly like that. It actually, it kind of happens in a way that's way more emotional. Like, much more emotional. Because it's not like, it's like a slow, painful death where his daughter gets to say goodbye to him. Like, yeah. It's, it's a completely unique experience and still good, which yeah. is what's great. No, yeah, 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 yeah. It's why the it's why the movie is successful. Yeah, but good, here's good directing, good acting, good script writing. Here's the difference between a something that completely follows the script, like like the adaptation, like Sin City, opposed to something that derivates completely, like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Hitchhiker's Guide is a different book. Yeah, the book has a different story from the video game, yeah. from the text-based game, from the radio play to the movie, making each one an yeah. individual experience. Yeah, and that's the same thing with the comic and the and the movie with Kick Ass. You can enjoy the comic without, with still being surprised by the book, by by the movie. 
vice versa. And it's an important lesson that I think people have maybe learned because of Watchmen. Because Watchmen was, and for all intents and purposes, a failure, a failure financially, and no. it, didn't, it didn't have, it didn't live up to how good the comic was because it was the comic exactly, and therefore was awkward in film form. Yeah. So, uh, Kickass will hopefully be extremely successful because it is really good. It is a rated R comic book movie. Yeah, rated R delivers. It fucking like, delivers. It, all across the, the board. The action, the violence is all there. There's no there's no cut violence. Like maybe there's different violence, but there there is like you know, violence. It it is an R. It is a hard R. There is cuss words. Um and something that's really cool is that next week another Mark Millar book that already has film buzz behind it is starting. That's Nemesis. Oh yeah. Which has a terrific premise. Yeah. It's what if uh, a guy with Bruce Wayne-like resources and training was as crazy as the Joker. Yeah, and, and this is a concept that people – because there's a great little poster hanging in most comic shops right now that says um, makes kick-ass look like shit, but, which is, you know, Mark Millar came up with that. He, he did both, so he can say that. Yeah. Um, and which is some, – somebody asked me – someone asked me. They said um, – What's that? And I was like, oh, it's what if Batman was the Joker? And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, what if someone had the resources of Wayne Enterprises and the martial arts training of Bruce Wayne and was as crazy as the Joker? I'm, as I'm describing this to someone else, some, some weirdie in the store is like, is like, what do you mean? Like, the Joker has everything Bruce Wayne does. He's just as smart as Bruce Wayne. And I'm like, does he have the resources of Wayne Enterprises? No, he's poor. Does yeah. he have the martial arts training? No. no. And then he like that's the whole uh, thing about the maybe, Joker that maybe he runs. DC versus Mortal Kombat will tell you otherwise. Yeah. Like, go suck a dick. Yeah. And so he and and he was kind of like, well, he's got insanity on his side. And I'm like, who are you? Who are you? Go, go away. away. <laughs> um, so, if insanity was a superpower, we would not have insane yeah. asylums. We would have superheroes. Yeah. But so this guy's got. But I already clarified that this guy has the money, the training, and the insanity. And he just yeah, it was it was awful. As soon as the first issue of Nemesis comes out next week, the film rights will also be on the table. And word is that since Sam Raimi is no longer attached to Spider-Man Four, he oh. might be the guy who brings Nemesis to the screen. Wow. Millar recently wrote, "Raimi directing Nemesis might not be crazy after all," because it was a rumor for a while. Yeah. Things move fast in Hollywood land. I w- just woke up with some very unexpected emails to be continued. Wow. Also, he's thrown Guy Ritchie's name around. Wow. So, <laughs> no matter how you slice it, yeah. this is good. Oh my gosh. This is, this is good news. Similarly, like I just I just gotta take a pause yeah. and nerd out over Sam Raimi in Spider Man two. I loved the operation scene. Glad he isn't anymore. Yeah. And Do if we know they wrote that movie into the ground, who is? I know, I was no. asking. I don't know. I don't know. There's a new Iron Man 2 trailer, similar to the first one, but expanded a whole bunch. Oh, it's oh awesome. It looks great. Oh, my gosh. Um, and, uh, a little I'm, sneak peek at uh, Black Widow and, um, and more and a whole army Don Cheadle yeah. as uh, War Machine. Yeah. It's all looking really great. And the suitcase suit. Yeah, suitcase suit. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> With that great red and silver look, uh, finally, in the movie. Um, oh, my gosh. It's got the there's really a the beginning of the 
Justice League. It's all all this stuff is crazy up all in the air. The place, yeah, uh, no one knows what to make of the DC world things, but Marvel's looking good. Something else that's looking good is last episode, or I think last episode, we talked to you about how there was a screener of the Tron trailer, oh. and now because of Alice in Wonderland coming out, that Tron trailer is actually out in the world. In fact, it's on your computer right now. And you can watch it really, really, really big. Okay. Uh, There's a link on nerdyshow.com. Click it. Amazing story. That story. 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 Oh, oh man. Anyways, um, but yeah, so we saw the trailer. It was amazing. Oh my god. Go watch it. It looks so awesome. <laughs> so we were we were watching it together, Hex, and I was like, Oh yeah, this looks good, this looks good and then I like cracked some asinine joke and I thought it was over and then I was like, Oh yeah, light cycles <laughs> <laughs> And I, I mean they even have Alan who played Tron. Like, so like cool. Alan Tron, he was in. Anyways, many of the yeah. what we have space next sciences because that's how it rolls. A, but um, the, uh, a new, it was it's an old track by Beat Drop, it's the brand new track from um, Symphony of Science in the Dark, makes me uh, from his album In the Dark: The Sensation of Space. Enjoy.
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. What we just listened to was A is for Arthur from Pixel Hate's upcoming performance, Observations. And who else do we have on Skype but Pixel Hate himself? Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing, man? It's so great to have you back. It's no, it's, it's good to be back. Um, yeah, it's um, it's always it's always good to be on the show. It's an honor and a pleasure as always. Uh, who is Arthur that the A is for? Arthur Eddington, um, a world-renowned uh, astronomer, physicist, um, legend. He um, <laughs> it basically explained uh, Einstein's theory of relativity in English. He translated it and um, brought it to the English-speaking world um, in language people could understand. So um, yeah, he's quite a quite an important bloke. Really. Seems, wow. seems a bit, yeah. <laughs> uh, the reason the, the track's called A is for Arthur is because um, the the Institute of Astronomy has two famous scientists that worked there. One was Hoyle, who wrote a book called A is for Andromeda, and obviously it's a play on words between the two scientists that were quite prominent there, Hoyle and obviously Arthur Eddington. It's reasons behind everything. <laughs> <laughs> The album, the album A, uh, Observations, is definitely a departure from your from your other works, which seem much more intuitive to the to the listener. Um, while while obsolete, definitely needed some like it was awesome to hear the explanation of what machines were being used on it. Absolute, uh, with, with observations, I felt that I was more more. Uh, please excuse the pun in the dark. So I was just curious. Yeah, what... yeah, no, uh, it's fine. Um, what you're actually hearing is the sounds of telescopes. Massive um, telescopes that you can actually walk around inside of, and these are the kind of mechanical parts of it. Um, they're the kind of electromechanical drive motors. Um, they're all taken from um, things that look at the stars. The album in general is made entirely out of ambient or otherwise noises recorded at the uh, Institute of Astronomy. Yeah, that's right. Um, I was able to kind of sit down with a lot of the the uh, you know physicists, the astronomers. Um, and actually take you know the, their knowledge and kind of translate that into music. It's a very big departure from you know what I'm known for, which is chiptune music. You know, don't panic. I will be back with an amazing <laughs> chiptune album. But um, when you know when presented with the opportunity to go and hang out with amazing scientists who know about space, you're you're not going to say no. <laughs> so that's that's why I did it. It is a uh, very much an alternative and maybe downright experimental uh, sort of album uh, puts you in sort of a field with say experimental classical composers like John Cage and Steve Rake who did unconventional things with with sounds for a classical purpose and a lot of the tracks you can hear uh, very intentional rhythms um, but any sort of what say the layman would consider actual music is somewhat absent from the whole thing Is uh, yeah. did you go into the album uh, with that intention in mind? I, I purely went into the album to thinking, what can I do with these sounds? It wasn't, I, I didn't want to go to the institute and say, you know, I'm, you know, I'm known for chiptune music. I'm gonna, you know, put your vocal samples over chiptune sounds. I wanted to really understand what they were doing at the institute. Really, kind of engage with the the themes and the theories behind everything, and kind of bend that into music and kind of. You know, again, there'll be like a you know a huge write-up of why I did what on the album, and it's it's very it's very nice for me because I'm I'm really strict with my music. If you know, usually that is. Um, so this project kind of changed me in a way that usually if a machine can't make a sound, I won't edit the pitch at all. 
And what I learned in astronomy is that they have to change the pitch of, of visual things and sound to get it into the human hearing range. So I thought, you know, for this project, it's okay for me to kind of change the pitch and put things into the human hearing range and just really experiment with sound. And I've learned a lot from it, and it's kind of changed me a little bit. Um, and it's quite nice. So the, the kind of whole reason behind the album was let's see what I can do. That's awesome. <laughs> what, what, <laughs> yeah. why, who, who approached who on this? Well, I, I kind of, you know... Um, <laughs> I kind of had, had done uh, obsolete, and you know it, it might sound arrogant, but I quite liked a challenge. So I thought I'll go somewhere where there isn't sound, um, which is space. Um, but obviously um, they wouldn't let me on any rockets, sadly. <laughs> um, so I, I went to the next best thing, which is the Institute of Astronomy here um, at Cambridge University, and um, I talked to them about the work I'd done in the past and explained to them, you know, I'm not just gonna you know, chop up sounds and make dance music. I really want to know what goes on here. I really want to, you know, I, I'm, I've always wanted to be an astronomer myself, but I'm just terribly undisciplined when it comes to, you know, actual scientific things. I just start making stuff up, like new planets and stuff, and putting things on new maps. But, um, yeah, so for me, it was really, really good to kind of, um, yeah, I, I approached them and said, this is what I've done, can I do it, and I wrote, that, wrote a proposal and um, we, we got funding from the PRS for Music Foundation, and it was all good to go. Did the uh, PRS for Music Foundation put any sort of um, uh, focus on you, like a, a time limit or, um, or any? No, 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 not at all. They they they're really pretty good. They just want they want people to create music essentially, um, and they they funded obsolete as well. Um, I just put forward a proposal saying I'm going to do two performances of it in the future um in march and um you know i'll have about three months to do all the whole project and um it's been me traveling up by train for about an hour and a half there an hour and a half back and spending the days there with these amazing astronomers and learning about stuff and thinking gosh um i, I almost understand the episode of star trek now <laughs> your two performances on the the 12th and the 13th of march uh how are you going to perform them? Are you actually going to use the, the actual telescopes to generate these noises? Sadly, no. I mean, the telescopes are huge. They're actually bigger than the place we're actually going to be in, but it is going to be triggering off live samples and visuals, which are live um, based on the sounds that they're making. So, yeah, it is unfortunately samples, but um, people will be able to, a week later, actually go into the telescopes themselves and look at the stars through them. So. Yeah. What's your most uh, profound experience with with outer space? Do you have like a, a personal connection with the same moment? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when I was sitting down talking to a researcher called Alex, he explained to me: although we're sitting in the same room, we are seeing each other at different times. We're looking at each other in the past. Now, although it's only a kind of a, a, a micro fraction of a second, we're seeing them in the past, and the further away you get from something, the further in the past you see them. So somewhere out there in the universe, people are looking at Earth, and we don't exist yet. It's like, wow, I haven't even released any albums yet. <laughs> <laughs> Obsolete came out about a year ago. It was March 22nd, yeah. uh, 20th and 21st of last year. Is it coincidence yeah. that both of these came out uh, about a year apart? Kind of. I mean, it, it's kind of like it's coming up to my birthday, um, and I always kind of try and release something around my birthday. Either it be a piece of software, or something. Um, it, 
It sounds kind of silly. It's my birthday here. You have a gift, I suppose. It's kind of weird, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Happy birthday. Yeah, that's this uh, Thursday, isn't it? Uh, it is, yeah. yeah I'm going to be very old. <laughs> <laughs> Are you uh, planning anything fun? Um, I think I'm going to have the day to myself and just do some programming, I think. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, you've done Obsolete. You've done yes. Observation. You've done... Uh, and the revolution; those have been your yep. three biggest projects recently. What is next on the docket for Pixel Hate? <sighs> the double album, the schematic, um, pure chip tune chaos. Oh yep. man! Uh, it's going to be one. One side is hardware, one side is software. Um, software is kind of light, poppy, happy, hardcore. Um, well, hardware is obviously going to be really hardcore, um, glitch, electronica. Um, because I have fans of both areas, I didn't want to kind of exclude any. So I thought, well, I'll just do a double album. <laughs> so we're going to see a, a return to, to um, circuit bending and the like? Yes, yeah. Oh. yeah. I mean, there's also, there's also kind of side projects like Childhood Remix, which will have music come out with that as well, which is basically I've taken over an art gallery and I filled it out. 30 circuit bent toys and people can come in and they're going to have one-on-one -on -one sessions with me and sit down and record the sounds from the toys and they can take it home and put it in their own music and i'll also be making music out of that so that's that's all kind of toys from my childhood like a, i've got a circuit bent nest there i've got um a simon game you know simon says game i've got um all kinds of crazy stuff all kinds of and it's mainly to let other people experience circuit bending without setting the house on fire. And there is, I mean, uh, next year, next March, there'll be another kind of thing like Obsolete and Observations come out. So <laughs> there'll be another kind of artist residency, and that, that's going to be pushing the boundaries of what is safe to do um, with the human body and music. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's an exciting thing to say. That is, um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's life-threatening, but it'll be cool. So, uh, so are you, you're gonna, you've gone big, you've gone into space. Are you going to go into the inner yep. space and uh, stick microphones in every orifice? And uh... <laughs> Well, not, not quite like that. I, 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 I'll give you a clue. I have a very unique heart. Um, and it's it, essentially, I have two heartbeats. Um, it's like being like Doctor Who, but it's not as much fun. Oh. Um, <laughs> but, no fun um, adventures it, it and produce, beautiful companions it, and regeneration. Just, just, yeah, just none of that. Just scary thing. heart attacks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what we're going to do is um, we're going to record my heart um, uh, first of all and make music out of that, and then we're going to have surgery. Yay! <laughs> and then we're going to make music out um, out of my my newly kind of corrected heart, if you like. So this is actually <laughs> necessary surgery that you're turning into music. Yes. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Brilliant. Not quite as sadistic as I initially thought. <laughs> no, 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 no. So, you know, but there, there's obviously a risk halfway through. Um, so, but yeah, but it, it'll be good fun. Well, that wow. kind of uh, experimental kind of biological music actually goes back to space a little bit. Um, yeah. One of the items in the soundscapes in the Voyager records was um, Carl Sagan's uh, life partner, Andrean, uh, she recorded uh, her heartbeats and also um, her brainwaves. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so that seems like actually kind of a, a similar, a, and that was sent into space, but uh, now you are also going from space into your own body, which is pretty cool. The, I mean, the overall themes of kind of my, like, my studies, these, these kind of projects like Observation and Obsolete, 
it's all about um, communication and technology and how how to kind of employ current technology in in um, in music. I mean, in 2012, it's going to be the ultimate geeky um, kind of project because I'm going to actually be doing a project on on Alan Turing because I'm part of the Alan Turing Centenary Committee. So I'm going to be hopefully using some of the machines that he actually used oh, and also um, working on some theoretical machines and making music with those and letting other people use those as well. So it's going to be, so there's, a, there's an arc, there's, um, you know, I'll, I will do my kind of, if you like, my pop chiptune music and I'll do my kind of studies because I, I really like the fact that it kind of expands me in terms of learning about music, learning about sound and learning about people. And um, if I get to hang out with cool scientists, then yeah, let's do it. That's so awesome. So is there going to be a regular pattern of uh, art album, chiptunes album? Yeah, yeah. Cool. I, I think so. I think it's the best way for me to kind of proceed. I, I mean, I've, I've always done other music in the past, but Pixel Hate kind of took over so much. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of slowly weaving that back into into kind of my life. And I think people are kind of beginning to understand, okay, he does chip to music, but then he does these other crazy things as well. Especially um, here in the UK, I think people are, <laughs> are learning about that side of things. And you mentioned to us that you're also going to be working on some films? Yes, yeah, I've I've been approached by two films. And amusingly enough, in both of the films, I play a character very much to myself. Uh, I can't kind of give away about uh, what films they are, but essentially... I'll play a very geeky uh, gadget person who gives gadgets to certain types of people. Cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, and um, yeah, essentially they they kind of call on me to make some very silly things. But one one of well, that's one of the things. The other one is a World War Two film, and I have to. They said I could do it, but I have to shave my beard, and I don't want to shave my I beard. I know where this is going. It's it's um yeah, it would that's be a bit exciting. Bit exciting. That's yeah. pretty dang exciting. Yes, yeah, uh, well, I'm, I'm sure you can work out the kind of area the World War II film would be in. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> wow. If I'm working with uh, technology. <laughs> um, and so, moving away from music for a second, but keeping in the realm of space, this is our astronomy episode in honor okay. of observations. And one of the topics we're going to be talking about later is the uh, privatization of, of space travel that America has taken a stance on, where yep. pretty much Obama has, has cut um, funding to the Constellations Project and is opening it up more for private firms to come in and uh, introduce innovation to space travel. And I want to know your thoughts on that. Um, my concern is, um, as when it, any kind of commercialization is introduced to scientific things, is um, the safety issue. Are they going to cut corners on safety uh, when it comes to kind of, you know, essentially getting bums on seats into space? Are there, are they going to be, you know, oh well, if we cut a few corners here, we can get a few extra passengers. Um, so that those kind of concerns arise, but. I think it will open a market. I mean, eventually we've got to get off this rock. Um, so I think it's, it's, it'll be an interesting step. I mean, you know, as you know, England doesn't have the same kind of level of, of, of kind of um, like such as NASA. So I think it'll be interesting to watch. But I, I'm obviously concerned about the safety aspect on that front. All things conser- uh, considered, safety doesn't seem to have been too much of a concern of NASA's either so <laughs> maybe the corporations yeah. will do a better job and have you know fewer yeah. tragic explosions 
Yes, that's true. Uh, I mean, it's it's interesting to know. I mean, I've talked to a few people, and you know, they've said to me that in America they have NASA has problems. You know, this is what has been relayed to me um, anyway. That NASA sometimes have problems engaging younger people, um, like say eighteen to thirty year olds, in um, in kind of um, in being interested in space. And to me, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, you know, we feel similar. It's just like you know, why aren't we in space? Why aren't we all working towards going to space? Why you know, why isn't that being done? I mean, in space, we're going to find lasers. It's going to be great. <laughs> So, um, uh, going back to observations, I was curious, I think you mentioned at some point that there was going to be a uh, visual part of the pre uh, performance? Yeah, um, what I'll do is after the, the, it's all premiered and uh, the people who, who watched it, I'll upload it so people around the world can watch it and it'll be on like Spotify and iTunes, the music will be to download and so on. But yeah, there's, there's 25 minutes of visuals. Um, which again is kind of taking themes that I've seen around the institute and turning that into a visual pattern. I essentially, I mean, in one part of the music, which is pieces for Pisces, I took the Pisces star chart and turned it into a musical graphical sc score and then turned that into music. And it's like, yeah, it's like lots of sugar, lots of, lots of sugar. <laughs> and I created this crazy music out of it. So, yeah, there's, there's a reason behind everything, I'm sure. Yeah, the uh, when I was listening to the um, to the album, what I was wondering the most throughout it was was what exactly was I listening to um, because there's I knew I knew about all the complexities of of uh, obsolete and so I knew that I that what I was listening to in observations was never as simple as it seemed. It was just going to be a piece of of a bigger puzzle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like I think like all the studies I do will will be like that. Um, Essentially, they are the sounds of the telescopes. You, you know, you'll hear the kind of humming sounds in in the pieces of music, and that is this tiny, tiny microscopic little motor that's turning a telescope. You can barely hear it, hear it with a human ear, but if you mic it correctly, you get this lovely kind of humming sound. And because of the, the rules for this album is that I can change pitch, I can do different things with the sound to put it into human hearing range. I was able to harmonize with it and create music out of this tiny little motor that underpins, you know, the the kind of observing of the stars. But you wouldn't even know it's there if you were just standing in the room with it. One of the tracks that uh, I was wondering about the most um, was crowdsourcing. You have uh, yes. a lot of uh, you have a couple tracks where you have um, interviews with um, the astronomers, which uh, which is really cool and sort of unifies the album and but then there's this one track that's just a, a clutter of human voices and i was wondering um what was the story behind that track crowdsourcing was my kind of first impression of the institute as i kind of walked in i i kind of found that they have this daily ritual of all having you know coffee together it doesn't matter what they're researching or you know the different areas they're in they, they just all stop and you know all have a drink together and all talk about what they're doing and it's I've never seen it anywhere else before. I mean, people have lunch together, but this is kind of different. This is daily, um, very sociable, very friendly atmosphere, and I really kind of enjoyed that, and I really wanted to kind of highlight that kind of thing goes on. And um, in in that, um, in that very, very short piece, you can also hear parts of interviews kind of jumbled up with um, the overall sound of the, the ambient crowd. Well, thank you so much. Do you have uh, anything last to say? Anything less left to say to your fans? 
Um, just that, um, give me a little while. I'm going to have a break after kind of observations and then I'll, I will return with a double album. <laughs> well, last time Which... we, uh, interviewed you, you mentioned that there were a bunch of people who were sort of pending, uh, collaborations that were going to be on In the Revolution and never materialized. Yeah. Are we going to get to see any of those in this forthcoming album? I, I certainly hope so. I mean, I know everybody's just getting busier and busier because they keep releasing albums as well. Um... <laughs> But um, yes, I'm, I'm certainly hoping so. If if not, I mean, the thing about and, and the revolution was I wanted to kind of take my gypsy music into a certain area, but I didn't want to just kind of jump there really, really quickly. Um, so I suppose, um, yeah, and the revolution is kind of a segue between, um, you know, boy with a digital heart and and the schematic, and it's. It, it kind of like introduces things like vocals, which I'm now a bit more confident with, and have new techniques of using like vintage machines to create my vocals on, which is quite nice. Um, so yeah, it's going to be pretty hectic, um, and it's going to be a lot of music. You know, it's gonna be a double album. So yeah, very very exciting. I have to say one other thing though. Okay, oh, absolutely. Is that all right? Yeah. Um, I was talking to our mutual friend uh, Nathan, the masseuse to the stars in Florida. Oh, yes. Um, and I decided what I'm going to send you for Nerdapalooza, because I can't make it this year, but oh. I'm going to send you something. Okay. And that is a life-size cardboard cutout of myself. <gasps> no way! <laughs> <laughs> that is so, so you, awesome. So I can be in the crowd at Nerdapalooza, I can be on the side of the stage, and, you know, yeah, you can take me around town if you like. <laughs> Photos with, with Pixel Hate photo booth. Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> So excited! Kissing booth. Hopefully, <laughs> I keep it clean. Hopefully, uh, 2011 will finally be the year of Pixel Eight returning to Nerdapalooza. Yes, yeah, I've I've got to come back. It's just um, you know, this this year has been very complex for a lot of reasons. But yeah, I'm gonna I'm going to come back. Yes. Nerdapalooza. <laughs> I'm going to come back, even even if I have to, you know, steal a spaceship. <laughs> well, we'll hold you to it. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you so much. As always, it's a pleasure and honor. Ladies and gentlemen, check out pixelate.co.uk. Next up uh, is the closing track from Observations. It's Observations and Credits. Enjoy.
just listened to was Dr. Seti with his song called Cosmic Carl, an obvious tribute to Carl. And Sagan. his name, an obvious tribute to the um, search for extraterrestrial. He's actually a, an actual doctor who works at Seti. Fuck. Wow. <laughs> cool. That's some nerd cred. Hell, even Pixelate yeah. can't really compete with that. No, he doesn't. He, I don't think Pixelate has a, PH, a PhD yet. I heard he was working on one, oh. though. That would have been a good question to ask in the interview. Yeah. Well, he'll, well, even if he if he earns it himself, he'll still get an honorary PhD somewhere eventually. I mean, but but something to uh, to definitely announce is that uh, the the lawnmower man has taken his lickings for the evening. He's gone to bed, which opens up. Don't our... please don't put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> you guys don't know what's involved in those fights or <laughs> virtual reality stuff gets weird <laughs> I imagine it's like reboot this big cube comes down of energy and you have to like go into it and the lawnmower man's there and he's all poorly CG and you like yes. have to play some like asinine race game or... did you ever try to like polygons on the tires <laughs> are you familiar with the cyber sex sequence in the lawnmower man film yes I am very familiar with it does he ever try to do that with you well, because it know, doesn't look there's, pleasurable. There's a, there's a school of thought that says that all sex is violence, and the way the lawnmower man goes, it's that. All I thought that was sex. all rape is violence, not all sex. No, you take it to the next logical. Oh, okay. Because all, all sex is rape anyway. So right, all, it's just consensual rape. Right. So. And rape is just penetration. Right. But technically speaking. Right. Technically. So he takes his USB and he puts it in my port. <laughs> Yeah, he, he gets his you know. Trojan in your back door. We were discussing this before you came on the, <laughs> <laughs> came on the air. Oh, that's good. My reputation needs this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, so yeah, we're, I guess we're going to be talking about space yeah, and the space. privatization of it. Is that, is space that, is so dumb. Space. We're, we're returning. It's just empty. Yeah, there ain't nothing there. It's, it's just all, you know. Just the mother void. Smoking dicks. <laughs> well, there, there's been the, the debate still rages on whether or not Obama's plan to um, uh, to pretty much cut the Constellation program and privatize space travel is a good thing. Um, 
I have editorials that are printed out as recently that were written as recently as this Monday. Um, some people are saying that it's a dumb idea because um, as recently as 2001, with Lockheed Martin trying to make the X-33 project, which was its own space shuttle, that failed. That was scrapped. That cost taxpayers $912 million and Lockheed Martin $357 million. And if Lockheed Martin can't do aerospace industry, has difficulty in the in, uh, aerospace industry, how is some small startup? Well, here's, here's the thing about Lockheed Martin is that it is an old company and it gets most of its business from you know, military uh, contracts. And they are incredibly wasteful. Yeah. And uh, I think the magic number for privatized space travel, the whole goal, uh, at least in the short term, is to try to get uh, space travel down to like under $10,000 a pound, as in it costs less than $10,000 to get a pound of payload uh, you know, up into space. And I don't think that's going to happen uh, under like NASA or else it would have money for other governmental things because, again, we're dealing with not to be all mystery, you know, government's always inefficient, but there just are inefficiencies in organizations of that size. And NASA uh, dealing has with proven budgets of that size and all these entrenched again. interests. And I think that even though I'm generally not a big fan of, you know, rented privatization, but I do see an opportunity here for privatized efforts to get into space to really uh, go for uh, more efficient means and finally break that $10,000 per pound barrier. Yeah. And there's, there's, lots, there's lots of options. There's lots of X prizes. There's lots of you know, new opportunities for um, for scientific innovation to to still um, be a part of space exploration. Speaking of X Prize, the chairman and CEO Peter Diamandis wrote a editorial, pretty much applauding Obama for his decision. And since then, um, other X Prizes have <clears throat> been created, funded by companies such as Amazon, PayPal, and Google and Microsoft. Uh, the Google Lunar X Prize is uh, a prize of $20 million to the first privately funded team that sends a robot to the moon, lands oh. it, and transmits photos and data back to Earth. That's awesome. I didn't hear about that one at all. Yeah, that is from an article from uh, February 16th. And something brand new that just came out yesterday was that in... Um, that Obama has announced that there's going to be a space summit in Florida. Very similar. On the moon. No, it's not on the moon. Uh. There's no moon on Florida. Florida on the moon. No. He's going to launch Florida into the moon? We knew he was a supervillain. <laughs> <laughs> it's, ah. it's similar to his health summit last month. Um, this is going to take place sometime April 15th, somewhere in Florida, yet to be announced. On the moon. Our, the speculation, it's not the moon. The speculation is that it's either going to be Tallahassee, or Kennedy Space Center. Well, if he held the summit on Kennedy. the moon, if he held the summit yeah. on the moon, that would really get people to get into gear to get there. I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, true. I mean, come on. Why am I that not? That would be the X Prize. You get to meet and talk with Obama. Yeah. Why am I not Lord Emperor of Earth? I would have <laughs> such great ideas. <laughs> Wait, how did he get to the moon? So a regular NASA shuttle. Oh, okay, okay, cool, cool, cool. So we at the Nerdy Show are hoping that it's Kennedy Space Center because that's a lot closer to Tallahassee. Yeah, it's like an hour away. Yeah. And if it's that, we're we're gonna we're gonna figure out some way to crash it. And I, you are technically press. Yeah, we yeah. are. We are press, and I am a professional distraction. <laughs> I'm naked. <laughs> I want to go to the moon. 
<laughs> like, can someone get that naked boy out of here? <laughs> hey, guys, he's distracted. Let's go. <laughs> as as nerds, we all have sort of a um, experiences with with our own fascinations in space, even if it's just um, science fiction novels or television shows or movies. I mean, Star Wars is pretty much the crux of anyone's yeah. sort of uh, nerd beginnings. Um, but a fascination with just kind of space and sciences in general is, is sort of an inherent trend. I mean, Gene Roddenberry was, was both a television writer and, and a visionary, um, and Arthur C. Clarke was you know, more than, than a science fiction writer. He was someone who came up with ideas about space travel so revolutionary that NASA asked him where he got them from because they were theirs and they hadn't released those yet. <laughs> The dude made, like, the telecommunication satellite or came up with the idea. Yeah. I mean, that's the foundation of modern society in, in a certain sense. And the, the gravitational slingshot, I th- like, for um, space propulsion, I think, like, going around the sun and then kind of slinging the orbit out. No, that's how, you, that's how you travel through time. Yeah, you have to go, uh, like, past warp 8 or whatever as you go yeah, around, around the sun. Yeah, around the star. But you got to do it at just the right angle, otherwise you, you might crash into the star and then that would kill you. Yeah, but okay. then you show up in the 1980s and you get to steal a whale. That is, you know, that's one of the, that's the best Trek movie as far as I'm concerned. Star Trek Four, fucking brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah. I, and I can't help but, but think that Carl Sagan, in a way, inspired t- Star Trek Four with the Voyager records, because in the yeah. sound, in the sound collage um, of all the human voices speaking. That's uh, true, you put whales. Yeah, whale, whales talking, and it just, it's, it's a bunch of people speaking in different languages, saying all kinds of weird stuff, and then... Are those some whale cuss words you're laying on us, Cap? Yeah, actually, there's um, there's some really um, funny things that come out of the um, the, the UN people speaking when you translate what uh, what they're saying in their different languages. Uh, one of them is uh, friends from space. How are you all? Have you eaten yet? Come visit us if you have time. That's horrible. What if they? That's eat? terrible. They're gonna come here and eat us all. They're like gonna eat us all. <laughs> There's also one that's kind of like a veiled warning. It's in Rajasthani. It says, hello to everyone. We are happy here, and you be happy there. <laughs> nice. I uh, actually have a, uh, a whole article on the Voyager Golden Record specifically. There's a link to that on Nerdy Show. And there's also a link to where you can see all the 116 pictures embedded on the Golden Disc and listen to all the 37 tracks, I think. Oh, yeah. 31 I, tracks. I've listened to that, and it's amazing. Yeah, it's 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 very it's, it's fascinating to know what human sounds are, you know, traveling on a physical format far away from us. You know, what could possibly be our cultural um, arc in the stars? But that's, you know, that that's that's sort of deep space thoughts. I got to see a physical copy when I um, back in high school. I was a part of this uh, fun weekend ex- um, trip at uh, the Jet Propulsion Laboratory in La Cañada, California, Pasadena, uh, where it was a thing called um, Space Set, where basically you took a bunch of high school kids and gave them a hypothetical situation in space, and you had one day to try to solve it. That sounds like nerd. It is. That sounds like NASA was just desperate to save some astronauts' life, and they had no idea what to do. (laughs) (laughs) Just blame it on the kids if you. (laughs) All right, it's like you're an astronaut. You're trapped in a small steel box that you've somehow welded yourself into, and you're rotating around the moon. What do you do? And it's like you get this question, and you're like, "Ah," (laughs) bubble gum. (laughs) No, like one of the problems was uh, the sun is emitting, like, or, or, or. 
our greenhouse effect is so thin that it's, we're taking in too much radiation. Build a space sh- a space station with the capability of blocking, of building a shield that would block two percent of the sun's solar rays. Just two percent. Just two percent. You get a big ass jug. SPF seventy at least. Just a big <laughs> a big ass jug of two percent milk. Yo, man, you hop in your dope ride. What? Those windows is tinted. Yeah. <laughs> you just fly around. <laughs> you bounce up and down because your hydraulics is dope. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> uh, do you guys have any any special connection with astronomy? Do you guys have any like astronomy memories? Um, I mean, mine are mostly from from fiction. But yeah, I, I remember like. Uh, I saw Star Wars and I was really into all the Star Wars films and and but it didn't really um reach me and grab me and say this is outer space. It wasn't until I started to watch uh Star Trek Next Generation that I was that I was just like this is fucking space. This is like a massive empty void out there that you have to go like nine times faster than the speed of light just to find other rocks with life on it and I was like it was just the, the scope of how massive it was was, like, insane to me. And that's probably one of the key elements in why I, like, uh, became atheist was I realized what a massive cosmic accident we are. And so... <laughs> yeah, you and old Carl. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, one of my first experiences with astronomy is really a really weird, kitschy thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this um, there's this show that was originally called um, Star Hustler, and it's a that's um, a porn (laughs) i've seen that porn and i love it um well it's now called stargazer and it's and the reason it's called stargazer is because it doesn't sound like searching is because specifically of searching star hustler on um on the internet and the shows the show's still on and it's a little thing that was uh, circulated on pbs it was um uh, the, the host of it was this guy called, named Jack Horkheimer, who's this brilliantly strange little man, like something from Tim and Eric almost, who's a, a director of, um, I think, the uh, Miami Planetarium or, or some, some sort of uh, astronomy foundation in Miami. And he comes on and he gives you these like these crazy, quirky little pun-fueled jokes that are almost nonsense and tells you how to look at the stars um, and what's happening in the sky for about a week period. Seen... Like an episode or two of this. Yeah, it's it's brilliant. It's as, totally kitschy. Yeah, as you describe it, I feel like, I feel like I remember that. And it has this amazing little synth theme that comes on and, and opens and closes it, which is um, a, uh, a, ni- a 1974 recording of a synth composer named Iso Tomita and him uh, doing one of Claude Debussy's songs, Arabesque Number no. One. Uh, we're gonna close the show with that, but he always this guy would come on and he'd come out of a, a walkway coming out of space. He'd walk down and this this narrator says, "Some people hustle cool a pool. Some people hustle cars. But have you heard about the man who hustles stars?" <laughs> what? And then he always says, "And remember, keep looking up." I, I, yeah, that that part sounds. I've familiar. absolutely seen this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You can check out some uh, some links to that on uh, the Nerdy Show website. And of course, we're gonna close out with the with that crazy little um, '70s synth song. It's so good. How about how about you, Brian? Do you have a, a vivid space memory? Um, I have always been a huge space nerd. Um, other kids had, were memorizing, you know, football stars and baseball bullshit, and I was like, I was just a voracious reader of astronomy books. Um, I saw Cosmos on PBS when I was I'm way too young to even appreciate a fraction of it, but it stuck with me. And uh, you know, now I'm, I'm a huge Carl Sagan nut. I guess I wouldn't be an exaggeration to say that he's probably uh, my hero. Um, I think space is really cool. <laughs> it's a pretty cool place. I have a, a there's a, a 
kind of funny story about an atomic robo in space. Uh, volume three ends. Uh, here's a spoiler. There's a big explosion, and uh, the nature of it was supposed to be this kind of grand cosmic thing. And, and so Scott said that there ought to be we ought to do this thing where like this energy you know flies off from the earth into the sky out into space because you know that's a common thing that you see in movies and comics. And he said, oh, you know, it'd be really funny if like it, you know, it goes so far out into space that it shoots down the Voyager. Uh, satellite or whatever it is, a space probe, and just destroys it. And so I was thinking about that for a while because I'm a huge fan of just terrible, horrible black comedy. <laughs> and upon thinking about it, that, that was the one thing that I could not do because that is the, the golden record in particular is just such a, uh incredibly optimistic thing for humanity to have done. It's just so oddly inspiring in a way that I can't even quite articulate that even in fiction, I couldn't bring myself to have it destroyed just through sheer, you know, random bullshit. So that, that's my connection to the Voyager. Oh, wow. Yeah. <clears throat> Mine is uh, more anecdotal. It's, um, there's this one time I was in camp. Uh-oh. Uh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> not like that. And we it's were going to. Voyage. <laughs> and uh, it was a, a wood camp, uh, like a, a forestry camp Did over. Did you visit Uranus? <sighs> Over Uranus, <laughs> is the proper pronunciation. Over in uh, Central California, like in the Sierra Nevadas, that. so it's like very wooded, very forestry, and uh, we're hiking up to this hill where there's a observatory, and around the observatory is we're hiking through these woods, and then it gets to plains. It's just open clearing, and it's on the. It feels like it's the top of the world, and there's no cities around anywhere, no light pollution, dead at night, perfect stars. Like, that's all you see, and it just feels, it felt like I could feel the curvature of the earth. I could feel that I was just the speck of a speck of a speck in this big cosmic game, just like that that kind of nirvana scientific enlightenment that you get, that that epiphany, and that from then on, I'm like, yes, I will go to space someday. I'm gonna go hang out with Pixel Yeah, <laughs> that's brilliant. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit you straight in the kisser, pow, straight to the moon. <clears throat> well, all this, uh, all this moon talk is uh, making me want to play one of our favorite moon songs from video games. Moon, and Death, it's some, um, it's some music uh, about, uh, it's inspired by the moon music from Ducktales. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm on the money. This song is called Moon Beats and it's by Cyan. So enjoy.
three, go. Hi, I'm Ben McCall. Um, We just listened to I just heard today on Gino Boost's song uh, I'm sorry Gino Boost uh, radio station because it's his birthday so I had to go listen to it oh yeah that track was Chromalodians Final Fantasy 6 tribute from their album Sprite Spirits uh, and that was what Tara's theme Tara's theme Tara's a green haired sexy babe yeah she is Jin that she turns into green hair everywhere <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> her um, what was it? What was that thing called? Her esper. form when she morphed. Her esper form. Yeah, that thing just—I I could never use it well. Oh, I did. It it was <laughs> very very powerful. So Magic's... you're talking about outside of the game, though, aren't you? Um, we're <laughs> not talking about outside the game and oh, masturbatory dear. purposes. <laughs> so so Brian, you you uh, had us play a song. Uh, well, not a song, but a soundbite. It is a song from the cosmos itself. So I'm going to play that, and then we're going to talk about it. Drop that beat. listening to that sounds like uh kind of lavos and gigas having a baby yeah it sounds hella scary what is it explain you're listening to the planet saturn itself those are radio waves that, that emit from it from its uh magnetic um field interacting with solar rays whoa that's kind of fucking cool it's very cool it almost sounds sorrowful yeah it does you're looking too much into it <laughs> no, no, that's that's the the cry of a creature that's become so evil that it's lost its physical form. Yeah, and soon it will become lavish and take over the world. Yeah, so um, so let's start a campaign to nuke Saturn out of the sky, okay? <laughs> because it makes a noise that scares me. Yeah, and it's making this noise twenty four hours a day forever. It needs to take a break. 
Well, how long? Just how screaming long? forever. Twenty-four hours a day. How long are the days on Saturn? That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of uh, of Lavos, actually, something I, I tweeted about on the Nerdy Show Twitter. Um, Fan Gamer, the uh, amazing nerd-based merchandise company um, that created the Mother Three Fan Guide mm-hmm. and uh, has produced a ton of really cool Earthbound merchandise, Metal Gear Solid merchandise, uh, fan-inspired uh, T-shirt designs, and so on. They have finally debuted their Chrono Trigger merch. Oh yeah! They've got uh, this incredible Dark Omen hoodie. They've got this uh, shirt that uses this design based on the uh, apocalyptic future of uh, 2300, and um, they've got this incredible sticker set. You got to go check that out. I think I need to buy all of that. It, An update: uh, Saturn length of day is 10 hours 39 minutes. The length of one rotation. That's a quick day. Yeah. For such a big planet. Yeah. Saturn, or no, Jupiter's even faster. I think it's like nine hours. Yeah, it's because they're um, gaseous. Yeah, they don't really have a... They don't, they don't have as much uh, density. <laughs> In fact, Saturn would float. Ooh. Yeah. If you found a cup of water big enough to fit it in. Yeah, 9.8 hours. Galactus, Galactus just takes Saturn and he dips it in his cup of water. And it's, it's like cotton candy to him. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's Kool-Aid fruit punch. Yeah. It's Kool-Aid fr- fruit punch, man. Um, let's talk about video games a little bit. Now, Hex, you, you, you brought some Final Fantasy VI into the room. Well, I have a little bit of something to say about Final Fantasy thirteen, which just came out. I have not played it. That's what I have to say. I actually am not interested in Final Fantasy anymore, but that's that's my problem. It's because Final Fantasy X was just okay, and it's not really interested me ever since. But you know, I I will say I've been a Final Fantasy fanboy since I first discovered six, and that was right before I, seven I, came out. I'm a I'm a big fan of Final Fantasy four and six, and nothing beyond that. And I I gave twelve a chance. Twelve. Which one's 12? It's the one that's based on Final Fantasy Tactics. Oh, yeah, okay. And it wasn't good. Man, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I guess maybe I, I started, my, my introduction to Final Fantasy was uh, Dragon Warrior. <laughs> <laughs> I played Dragon Warrior on the NES, and it rocked my world as my first RPG experience, like, of any sort. And that what's led me to a lot of things. But then when Final Fantasy came out for the NES, I was all over that. Hot tip immediately and it was better and then you know i just i got two aka four four and then i got three aka six and like those were some of the best games i'd ever played absolutely um seven came out and i absolutely fucking loved it um it was a a very cinematic fun game and then uh eight came out and i was like what the fuck is this and then nine came out, and it was kind of like a three D return to form with a. I really like nine. Yeah, and it had a really great um like leveling mechanic, but at the same time, I was just like the the story near the end and the final boss fight was kind of like fell apart. Didn't make any sense. Yeah, fell Man. apart. It got it was it wasn't that good. So for me, like I Final Fantasy kind of you know I agree with that statement that it kind of died for me after six, even though I really did enjoy seven, and it's probably. The best game, the most commonly played game, and I think I think six, six is better. I'm not. Uh, I will not argue. I I whenever I have someone start playing Final Fantasy, I give them six. Six is my favorite. Six is my favorite. Six is my favorite, and I played it more times than any other Final Fantasy. When but I got seven was so revolutionary. Yeah, it was, it was that jump. But yeah, when I got Final Fantasy Anthology for 
the uh, PlayStation, oh, man. and it was five and six. I was playing together. five so much. I was like, I was like, I've never played five before. Oh, I can't wait. Low time. I can't wait to play five. And then I was like, or I could play six again. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually played through six again for like the ninth time. And then I started playing five. And but but it was so worth it. Seeing that cinematic at the end. Uh, I didn't finish it. Oh really? Oh man, you get you see oh, shadow like cutting oh, through oh, ghosts oh, on the six? ghost train. Oh, six? six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I That's what it. I'm saying. And like Setzer flying around and Vector. Oh, yeah. As yeah. far as Final Fantasy 13 goes. Oh yeah. Um, I'm I'm hunting around on I, my Facebook right now to see if any of my Final Fantasy like fan boys and girls that have been like, OMG, three more days until Final Fantasy 13, like giving me a daily countdown. None of them have. Con online yet, and these are regular. Well, because they've been playing it. They've been playing it nonstop. Really, that does say um, something because they're they're so. Yeah. It says our, they are nerds. Our beloved roommate Brandon, Mike and I's roommate, um, uh, it has played it, and um, and he's only gotten to play it for uh, a little bit. He said uh, so. I but I do have some words from him to bequeath to you all. Now, for Brandon, Brandon actually is one of the people few few people I know who loved Final Fantasy twelve. Um, he hasn't played the online games that I know of, um, and uh, but uh, but here's what he has to say. Now there's two versions. There's there's for the first time an Xbox 360 version and a PS3 version. The Xbox 360 version is a bit of a clusterfuck. It's something like what three discs long, yeah, as opposed to one He's... PlayStation Blu-ray, yeah. And all the uh, the cinematics have been compressed to some atrocious uh, number. They went right? down. They were originally 1080, and they went down to 570. Uh, so they're t- they're still 1080 on PS3. If you're going to play this game at all, don't fucking play it on Xbox. There's yeah. no point. Um, now um, he says, unlike most JRPGs, this one starts off actually really really fast. It has turn-based fighting, but it's an extremely fast variant of it. Um, it lets you control only the main character with a few side options that you can use for the secondary characters, but mostly you tell them, you, you choose what kind of style they're going to play in, and so you work in tandem with them. He says it works out really good. He, uh, the words he used were fluid and fun. That sounds very similar to the Star Ocean second story mechanic yeah. that I really enjoyed. Yeah, uh, that's, what it, that's what it reminded me of, too, when he was talking about it. Um, he says the game starts abruptly, abruptly, and doesn't explain anything until about an hour and a half in, and he's only two hours in. And he says he's still learning things. He still feels like he's in the introduction of the game, but it's been actually playing pretty quickly, and he's really enjoyed it. He says it's way more action packed than the average Final Fantasy game. Yeah, like I don't know what Final Fantasy is like these days. Yeah. But um, I remember like seven, eight, and nine all kind of started really action packed. Like seven, you're like on a train, like fighting dudes, and you jump off, and you're doing some like terrorist mission you don't quite understand because the game just started. Right, and 8 is is actually rather similar to that. Yeah, you're, you're on your first seed mission. Yeah, and you're like, whoa, this game is going to be action-packed, but then as you play it, you turn on... Yeah. <laughs> but, like, I think that's, you know, that used to be the case for, for Final Fantasies, and I don't know if they... It's weird, like, half the characters of Final Fantasy 8 are named after Southern California cities. <laughs> I was like, Laguna? Irvine? Really? Where's Pasadena? That's weird. I that never I never noticed that. That's really weird. <laughs> you think I would have noticed it when Laguna Beach came on the air, but then I, you know, didn't really I don't ever I try not to think about eight. And there was so and the uh the Xbox thing is a bit of a fuck up. Like that's not that's not good, that's not yeah. conducive to gameplay. And of course last week we had the PS three Y two K two fiasco. Yeah. Well, there's been another major video game related kind of technical disaster that occurred mm-hmm. this last week. Uh, Assassin's Creed 2 oh, yeah. and Ubisoft's new DRM 
uh, policy oh where they have um, uh, to play uh, Assassin's Creed on the on the PC. It has to be connected to the internet in order to uh, to preserve the fact that it's a original copy. And in being a, in requiring to be attached to the internet and communicating with their DRM servers, it must at all times be communicating with the DRM servers, or else it won't play. Yeah. And if the DRM servers are down. You can't play your game, kids. Wow. <laughs> if your dog trips over your Ethernet cord, um, you, you, you hope you saved recently. Yeah. And so this is Assassin's Creed 2 and also Silent Hunter 5. And this, and, and this, over the weekend, it went dead for a large number of players. First they said that uh, it was due to um, too much high demand, but then Ubisoft said it's because they were attacked. You know, I own it for 360. I am just going to go out of my way to pirate it for PC now. <laughs> <laughs> Just to fuck them. Yeah. Well, like it was. Um, it took them like an extra day. The the hackers. Yeah. To, no. to, to crack it. So it like you know. Granted, usually a game is uh, leaked and hacked the day before it comes out. So this the you know good job at making those DRMs. You slowed them down by a day or two. Yeah. Nice job, guys. Yeah. And now you made money something, well spent. Yeah, you made something almost unplayable for the people who will pay money for it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> unplayable for the rest of the game's lifetime. Yeah. To stop some people from stealing the game who were never going to buy it anyway. Yeah. So you'd lost no money. Stop them for like 36 hours total. Yeah, hey, that, that was a smart move. Ubisoft's not known for making bad decisions. Or no, Ubisoft <laughs> is it's goddamn psychotic when it comes to DRM. <laughs> it's like they have, they have two choices. Uh, the logical one and just being a drooling dumbass. And they always go for that last one. It reminds me of when the uh, someone wanted to do rights protection on the, I think, Too Fast, Too Furious soundtrack. Oh, and yeah. And as a result, it was rendered unplayable on a certain percentage of CD players. Yeah. Yeah, we, we worked at uh, Sam Goody at the time, and uh, we actually started to get an influx of massive amounts of returns because you couldn't play it because the anti-piracy laws on, on some CD that nobody cared about. Yeah. Was... <laughs> There's been uh, some major uh, some major news in the, the music game uh Scope of things. Oh yeah, Rock Band Network debuted. Oh my god! And so that, that's the uh, the program that allows you to submit your own music to Rock Band Ooh. and have it then turned into Rock Band tracks, and you get thirty percent of the profit and retain all your own rights. Oh wow! And Dude. what's exciting about this is is not just that you, the musician, could say take your Blackest Night song fight song and put it on uh, Rock Band, but it's that. It's not just local musicians doing it too. Yeah. Everyone's doing it. This is a global music community. People who want people to play their music. I've heard a demand for the megas on this, so I could imagine the, the megas, the proto men. They can get on it because you know what? Nerd artists are already on it. The debut, uh, the uh, front lot, Jonathan Colton. That's right. The, uh, two major nerd artists right in the first hundred uh, hundred plus gamut of songs. And not just them, but like uh, them alongside big names like the Shins, Bank Camaro of Montreal, uh, Flogging Molly, KMFDM, uh, Lacuna Coil, oh, yeah. and then and there's more than 300 artists currently in the works, including Fly the Concords and the Smashing Pumpkins. If you still, I can just imagine how long it is until I Fight Dragons get on there. I know, right? It's yeah. I think um, I think we're gonna see studios like just dumping massive amounts of artists on, into this program because they want people to listen to the music and. I'm excited. You know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see one nerd studio helping out with this. And like you say, if they're like say if a, a band can't really figure it out, but they know someone who does, and they all flock to that one person, and he just pumps it out for them. That, that, that'd be really nice. That'd, that'd be, be awesome. Cool. And, and to c- coupling with this big news about Rock Band Network, 
Rock Band 3 was announced. Yeah. Which is, which is massive. It's coming out this holiday season. And what's really significant about this is that Danny Harrison, George Harrison's son, uh, said that he was personally working on the project, and it would only be ready when he was ready. And when he was ready is when he had in, uh, brought the controllers to a new level of innovation that could, you could, in fact, take your rock band experience with the guitar and turn it into actual guitar playing. Oh, shit. So this That's game, madness. this game is going to be something completely different, and uh, they've already they've said um, to just validate what what Danny Harrison said originally that it will quote innovate and revolutionize the music genre all over again. What's that? Um, that it's not Guitar Hero, and it's not Rock Band. It's that other company that's SingStar or something like that. Lips? They, no, they've got they've got that. Um, they guitar, made an actual electric guitar. Elect, actual electric guitar. I don't know the details on mm. that one. Yeah, I've heard about it though. Yeah, I saw that and I was like, oh shit, but it's not harmonic, so I'm biased until someone else tells me yeah. that, it's, <laughs> exactly. that, exactly. it's, that it's good. Um, and uh, on, a, on a similar note, um, shit, okay, <clears throat> uh, and, and as far as other sequels, uh, Portal 2 was just announced. Oh, snap. Now, there was an update to the Portal PC version uh, about a week ago that included a bunch of riddles involving sound, video, and, uh, and antique code encryption, which resulted in a bunch of confusing images. And, a brand and if it had been released by Ubisoft, that's what you'd need to solve to play the game. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, it, it, it's, um, it was very much like the kind of web hackers have to sift through. Um, and you got some really cool decoded images, uh, which we have a link to on Nourisha.com, but also a new ending to Portal, a brand new ending. What? Um, that, there's also a link to that video on the website. And, uh, and all this pointed to this announcement of Portal 2, which, oddly enough, was an announcement leaked through Game Informer magazine. Wait, Ma- that, that annoying thing that they... Sponsored by that GameStop? You know, GameStop, yeah. yeah. And what's, you know, magazines are dead, as far as video game news goes. They're completely dead. They, they don't get information out on time. Everything's happening, happening snappy. But they got an exclusive. And this must be the first in a trend because another magazine revealed something major. Uh, Nintendo Power dropped Scribblenauts 2. Scribblenauts 2. Oh, my God. These are both exclusives of the magazine. Very, very weird. Nintendo Power must have some deep pockets within the Nintendo organization to have that kind of <laughs> But they actually haven't had an exclusive that I know of for you know, years. Since Mega Man 10? <laughs> oh, you got me. That was exclusive. Oh, yeah. <sighs> Never again. <laughs> well, anyway, Scribblenauts 2 comes out this fall. It adds 10,000 more words with adjectives playing a big role in what you can summon. And 120 new levels, a level editor, a new hint, hint system, and some improved controls. Nice. And Portal 2, um, it's going to have cooperative multiplayer with an entirely separate campaign from the single player. Oh my god. Uh, unique story, test chambers, <laughs> uh, and two new playable characters. And you're joined throughout, the, um, throughout your adventure with a um, computer recreation of Cave Johnson, the boss of Aperture Science who is dead in the first game. Excellent. Awesome. So... Something else that was released today was the new Gorillaz album. Oh yeah, Plastic Beach. I got Is that it today. Yeah, it came out There's today. An, an incredible music video. Oh, Stylo. Yeah, man, it's it's got the most realistic gorillas ever. It's got Murdoch, 2D. And uh, noodles in it, and they just the the 3D level on them is just phenomenal. It's a, a brand new kind of commercial commercially available level of realistic CGI. Oh my gosh! Which is really and, cool. and, and more than that, about say that, and on top of that, Bruce Willis is in it. Yeah. 
But uh, we're not playing Stylo. We are playing Sweepstakes, a new track that features Most Deaf and the Hypnotic Brass Ensemble. And if you listen closely, you could hear some chip tunes. Mm. Now, <clears throat> as we've already talked to, uh, talked about with Pixelate in the past, he's ha- he has a very close connection with Damon Alberts. Um, and you could hear chip tunes in the 2008 um, Olympic video with uh, where where was the the video of the um, the Monkey King venturing to the Olympics? You could hear some chip tunes in that, and uh, Pixelite confirmed that it was using his um, music DJ tech. Uh, tech. However, um, he cannot confirm whether or not Damon used that same software for the Gorillas album. Uh, mainly because he hasn't talked to Damon. He's been a little busy. But he is curious, and he is going to find out. And we'll let you know once we know. Anyway, folks, enjoy. Payday, you're a winner. Payday, you're a winner. Keep cool for my line. Scare money, broke money. Bone money, more money. So sunny, cloud breaker. Sound like a wave runner. Wild motherfucking drummer. You can get it how you wanna. There's math and there's dealers and players and me. They say that they win is okay. Well, let's see. You pay it, you play. The rules of the trade. The math of the days. The times and the age. What you want, how you like. Aim high, man, why not? Some moon story, y'all. and all of y'all's. Mathematics and dealers and players and me. They say that they win is okay. Okay, well, let's see. Sweet stay. Sweet stay. You're the one. Sweet stay. You're the one. Sweet stay. You're the one. Sorry, y'all. 
lie, you wanna lose a winner Set the dealer, every player, yeah, me So you say, we will see, play a play Hey, okay, what you want, how you like Aim high, why not Sun, moon, and star, it all Decent and every all of y'all Who's a winner, yeah, me So you say, we will see Cloud break a danger, beast Fresh fleets So that we could sell an ad space Make way for the one-man businesses Bailouts finished with white-collar criminals New Sega Genesis entrepreneur Time making big plans to dominate the online Yeah, I'm on YouTube This is one man sharing Google revenue With songs on my webcam Science is the new art Database is day-to-day Spreading sheet smarts, hustle, make the data pay. I could be in Valleywag plus Geekology. Tell from my avatar that I'm most definitely In a photo by the phone craze And I'm up in Mashable Weekend trip to New York Bar pity One oak Parties full of new door Now I'm pitching business plans From the backs of napkins Micro lent to Africans Monetize Kazakhstan Catch me up on LinkedIn, dog. CEO You can see where I be With the IPO Now I'm up in skinny jeans Now a hipster's lurking Used to be a reject But now I'm steady jerking Now my glass is mainstream Now the girlies eyeing me Popular kids copy me, the new swag is irony Coming from the small time, girls couldn't find me Now I scale models like I climb on top of Heidi Starting big trends with the tweets that I pass on You should follow me, cause I'm friends with Ashton
Welcome back. What we just listened to was a new track that is blowing up on the YouTube. It's called The New Dork Entrepreneur State of Mind by the Pantless Knights. It's a parody of Jay-Z, uh, Empire State of Mind. And it's, it's fun. It's all about uh, a new dork getting money by exploiting the social media explosion. Whale penis. That's, that's, that's going to be the whalepenis.com. That's my new site. <laughs> Get together and talk with other marine aficionados, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and talk about Echo Junior porn. Echo Junior Porn Favorite of the OC After Dark gang Oh, who we will get to hang out with next week For the Pokemon episode That's right Thank God I'm 800 miles away (laughs) I'm going to be wearing my Pikachu suit Yeah, you know, Uh, because Spark Golden And Cold Silver are coming out It is just yellow paint (laughs) Not much along the lines of nerd music news But if you are anywhere near the San Francisco area you desperately need to go to 8-Bit Pimp, the A-Rival CD release party this Thursday. It is, um, where is it? It's, it doesn't really say where, oh, it's at the DNA Lounge. Well, that's awesome. Appropriate. Mm. Uh, $9 pre-sale, $13 at the door, but it has some of the best chip tunes today. Glow Mag, Compute Her, Crash Eater, Star Pause, XK... And a rival. They are all phenomenal chiptunes artists. I know that Doc Pop uh, is going to be hanging out there, and I'm sure other uh, nerdy notables will also be over there. So if you are not doing anything this Thursday and you're in that area, you better be over there hanging out at 8-Bit Pimp. It, it's And, of it's course, amazing. if you're anywhere near Austin, Nerdy Show's uh, Protoman Show, free Protoman Show that we're sponsoring in Austin, Texas, at South by Southwest is next week mm. on the 19th. Um, and uh, that Wednesday is the... Nerdcore Night. Nerdcore Night. Oh, my gosh. And before that, another consequence, a free Consequence of Sound party. Uh, consequence of Sound being the uh, the blog he's putting on the Protoman party um, that we're sponsoring. You can go to nerdyshow.com for all the full details on that and my really cool Twin Peaks fan art poster. Because <laughs> the, uh, the, second, the second group on there, the, the second under headliner under Protoman, You Say Party, We Say Die, they have a single out called Laura Palmer's Prom. Oh, so that's, that's kind of what brought that about. That's um, awesome. Interesting. I didn't. I, I I wondered why that was the the art. I just was into it, so I didn't question it. <laughs> I was just. That like, means I, a lot for you. Yeah, I'm just like, oh, you know, whatever you're doing back there, I'm not used to it. But, you know, just keep going. I'm into it. <laughs> uh, something that exploded on the internet uh, this last week. A bomb, which is really cool, um, is the uh, the new OK Go video. Oh my gosh. They built a gigantic Rube Goldberg device. You know, one of those things triggered by dominoes and falling objects. Um, and uh, it's called a mouse trap. Yeah, <laughs> like the board game mouse trap. <laughs> and that's, uh, that's Mr. Goldberg invented that. <laughs> and it, it 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 just goes throughout the whole video, and amazing things happen. I don't know if it's a record setter. It probably isn't because people made Rube Goldberg machines forever. But it is. I, I think it's a record setter for like coolest Rube Goldberg thing in a video for yeah. music. Man, I love when it, it has the TV of their old video. Yeah, from the last album. And it, it flies down and then it's smashed by a sledgehammer. And uh, OK Go's new album, Of the Blue Color of the Sky, is amazing. I did a review um, for it uh, a few months back when it came out, and I've been listening to it ever since I got the press copy of it. It's, I liked OK Go before. I, I liked them a lot. But now I really love OK Go. This album is amazing. It's easily the best album that's come out this year so far. Um, I have to say I cannot stop listening to it. 
It, and, and, and it's extremely nerdy. And OK Go are extremely nerdy. I interviewed uh, uh, Tim Nordwin uh, for Consequence of Sound. You can check out the link on nerdyshow.com. And he was talking about um, this video and its development, how it was going to be done with some uh, people associated with the, the Make crowd in California, like Make Magazine and all that. And indeed, um, they put together this, this brilliant video. You can check out links to... Um, uh, from from Make's website and from Wired's website talking about this video. We've got all that on NerdyShow.com. A full gamut of OK Go links for you about the production of this video, which is just an incredible achievement. They had physicists working on it. Um, they're, they're, they're incredible guys. They, um, in fact, uh, Damien Kulash, the, uh, the lead singer, says, nerds are the new rock stars in a, in a recent interview with Wired. Um, and he said when they were about to make the video, it was going to be Redonkey Kong. So, so, so wait, you wait, wait. I love that. I just got a Redonkey Kong. Yo, man, shit's Redonkey Kong. That shit's Redonkey you, you said two things in that that totally reminded me of something that I totally forgot about. You mm. said Maker's Fair, and you said uh, Wired. Now, recently, Wired.com, of Wired Magazine, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they have a blog called Geek Dad, mm-hmm, which is a rather popular blog. Um, it's a bunch of fathers that are geeky, writing about geeky things. They're doing the first ever Geek Dad Awards where they are giving awards out and it's the they they chose the top 5 category top 5 nominees for different categories like example for top 5 nerdy bands they got they might be giants um MC Frontalot I Fight Dragons Jonathan Colton very nice very nice um top 5 geeky events hmm. no Bay way. Area Geek uh, the Bay Area Makers Fair right uh-huh. Penny Arcade Expo, right? The iPad launch, okay. San Diego Comic Con, okay, okay, come on, and Nerdapalooza. Fuck oh, yeah, that's yeah. fucking that's awesome. awesome. All right, all right, guys. So uh, I, you know, I know you're not our personal army or anything, but I'm just yes, saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you, also you're linked, Brian's personal army. Also linked will be a, a vote. Go vote for Nerdapalooza as the number one geeky event of 2009. That is massive, man. Oh my god, people. <laughs> I'll suck your dick. <laughs> Please go vote. <laughs> vote for Nerd of or, or he won't, depending on which one you want. <laughs> yeah, uh, you can make him do it or to stop him from doing right. it. Right, you can get the guarantee that I will never suck your dick, or you can get. <laughs> which, which I'm so glad I voted. Big, big value. Yeah, trust just, me. Just choose your own adventure. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's that's. I was so excited when I saw that. It's ooh. It, it totally inflated my ego that Nerdapalooza is... It's inflating something to me right now. <laughs> uh, just being nominated That's against awesome. those events. How the fuck did you keep this from me? I, I totally forgot about it. I haven't <sighs> seen you since I've heard about it. So... Though I've been spamming it on Facebook. Well, are you a girl? No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> well... That's awesome. I, something I want to throw out, the last little bit of uh, OK Go stuff, is that uh, the, um, the, whole, the whole Rube Goldberg machine was arranged by uh, Sin Labs, which is a Los Angeles-based uh, arts and technology collective that do a bunch of sci-tech projects, um, particularly at the uh, monthly Mindshare LA. Um, they're just a really cool group of people. They do stuff with augmented reality. They do all kinds of amazing projects. I and feel Sin Labs is familiar somehow, but I mm. don't know why. They're awesome. Yeah. And, uh, and OK Go's album is based on uh, the title of it, uh, Of the Blue Color of the Sky, is um, based on a pseudoscientific novel from the, or text from the uh, 19th century about how blue glass and the light passing through it was a cure for damn near anything. Huh. Um, and they, they go into all that in the, um, 
my interview with Tim Norgren particularly talks about talks about how all that works, and it's really really cool. Um, they're they're they are they are mainstream hardcore geeks doing making amazing and in fucking incredible music, and I and I love it. That's <laughs> sweet. Um, I so, will. Yeah, yeah. What's up? Oh, I was just going to say we don't have so much more time, so I wanted to definitely make sure that we pimped the Blackest Night. Yes, song one more fight. time, Blackest Night Song Fight, guys. You have all the <clears> month <throat> of March. The rules are on nerdyshow.com. There's a graphic now to inspire you. Now it's official. Yeah, the shit's real. And before and, it was just kind of bullshit. Now it's real. <laughs> <laughs> and by all means, if you know anybody who who'd be interested in this, regardless of whether or not they read comic books or. Or, or whatnot, just like spam this. Explain the concept to them, and then have them just run with it. Because think about how cool this is, and how much you want to hear awesome tracks. Make it happen. If you really like a nerdy band, and you want to see them perform at Nerdapalooza, get them to do a track, get them to win, and they'll have a spot waiting for them. Mm-hmm. Nice and warm. Michael, see to it. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> oh. So, I can I can lay out a couple a couple bits of tech news, a couple quick bits, really quick, because I know we're wait. I need the tech tech news theme song though. Brian, if you if you please play us to the floor. Yes, sir. Oh, we're waiting for the the beepity boop. No, you won't do it. No. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you burned me, man. <laughs> No science theme. Uh, fine, fine. <laughs> that's what you get for thinking. That's what you get for thinking Brian's your freaking dancing monkey. Fuck you. Fuck all y'all. Well, you know what? You, you want? You, you ain't getting no technique. What's going? Cut it. I don't want to hear it. Hey, wait, wait, wait. Hex. Yes. Oh, there it is. Cool. You should do it for somebody. <laughs> I used to be your number one. <laughs> now you're nothing but his number two. <laughs> well, dig this, kids. There's something out called uh, coming out called Skin Put. I'm in. <laughs> Want it. Give it to me. It's a skin-based electronic interface. Is it? Can I use it on my flashlight? It, 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 it uses hands and arms as touch screens. It's what? been developed by Carnegie Mellon University and Microsoft Research. What? It works by detecting the various ultra-low frequency sounds produced when tapping different parts of the skin, and allows users to control audio devices, play games, make phone calls, and navigate hierarchical browsing systems. Uh, the keyboard and other graphics are beamed onto a user's palm or forearm from a Pico projector embedded in an armband. Oh, I have seen pictures of this. There are pictures of it? I haven't seen pictures. Are like theoretical pictures of what it would look like. But it was like <laughs> so sketches? But no, it was like it was like a there was like a, a it light. beams a display yeah, on the wrist. Yeah, a display yeah. on the wrist and there was a phone. Now see if the display came from like some kind of camera projector system that was cybernetically implanted in your amazing cyber eyes, then I'm down for it. Yeah. Yeah, this this all all this sounds like uh, some uh, grinder dot more oh, yeah. analysis. Well, and this, and what the weirdest thing about this is that the reason that the science exists is because the like the different locations of skin are acoustically different from each other. Like that's weird. Who the hell figured that out? I know. I want to give him a French kiss. Skin freak. <laughs> I'm the science McGee. Yeah, si- science McGee. He's over there collecting skin. Oh. That, that'll that'll be it. I'll, I'll give you guys that one. I mean, I've got I've got a whole stockpile. You know, 
I, I got it all. I, I, I can. I'm holding out on you, but but this has been a pretty pretty science heavy episode anyway. So I'll just I'll save the rest. Beep, for later. And uh, what's the track we're closing on, Cap? We are tracking. We are closing on uh, Iseo Tomita's uh, uh, Arabesque Number no. One, the Claude Debussy song uh, that opens and closes the Star Hustler. So you know, remember, nerdy show listeners, keep looking up. Because uh, something's gonna fall on you. Star <laughs> hustler. <laughs> hustler. I have been Cap. Triforce Mike. Bye, I'm Hex. And I'm Brian. Thanks for listening, folks.
in Orlando, and I hired Michael Pan Bell, which was the best decision I ever made. <laughs> I want to uh, thank uh, you, you all for listening. Nerdy Show is uh, brought to you by a comic shop, Nerdapalooza, at the Oviedo branch of a Play and Trade. If you have questions and comments or complaints, please feel free to send them to info at nerdyshow.com. <laughs> Feel free to listen to more episodes of Nerdy Show at nerdyshow.com or the iTunes store by searching for Nerdy Show. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Nerdy Show. There, I did it without being racist. Are you happy? I'm Aaron Holland and I'm a racist. (laughs) Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 